gold is still boring, but producers are salivating. We'll talk about that. Bitcoin at 55,000, copper at four bucks a pound. Who knew? We're going to talk about the state of Texas, not the state of Texas, the state of Texas. We'll talk about the Capitol Police officers that have been suspended. We'll talk about the ones that are under investigation. We'll get into Roaring Kitty. We'll talk about privatization, regulation, and pennies. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 105, Nick, of Bizarro World. How the heck are you doing, Nick? It's been a week. It's been one heck of a week. I've had it easier than you in, in Tejas, Gerardo. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it. And uh, I'm doing good. Let's get let's get started with the markets. Um, you know, gold, again, we've said we've gone on the record until real interest rates actually start trickling back down. You're not going to see a decisive move higher in gold. That has been proven true. We're sitting there right around the 1780 level. Silver, however, does seem to have some life to it. Every time it's pushed back, it seems to be leading higher um, right before gold turns. And so, you know, we talked about it last week, silver being a commodity and gold trading like a currency. We explained the reason why that's happening. But look, the big action is in the copper space and in the Bitcoin space, right? Bitcoin at 55,000, copper at 405 a pound. Um, a lot of um, A lot of people congratulating themselves for picking up the copper call 20 cents ago, which is hilarious to me. But Look, as far as the portfolio goes, if you've been a contrarian and if you were buying the way we've been asking you to buy for the last year or two, you're a happy camper. There's a lot of stocks that have been doing absolutely nothing from 3 to $4 that all of a sudden magically, right when we get above that $4 level, are up 30% in the last couple of days, some higher. Thoughts on the copper space, Nick? And if you could share your penny story, actually, this is a perfect time for it. Oh, yeah, it was a nickel, actually. So we'll get into it in a, in a second. But uh, I'll start with uh, gold because um, we've been calling it for a while. Like you said, we talked about it on the podcast last week uh, with the rates. And we were talking about why silver can go up and, and silver going down. And I was writing um, like 10% ago in gold uh, bullion price terms that I was selling gold stocks because they were going to have trouble going up in the face of uh, real rising rates. So it's taken uh, the rest of the market uh, a bit to figure that out. But that's exactly what's going on. And you had uh, rates, uh, I like the terminology, spike even higher this week to one point, whatever <laughs> we're at now, 3%, 1.3% on the 10 year, something like that this morning. And um, while that's still like historically relatively low yield, that's um, quite higher than it was like last August when gold was able to run to uh, cycle highs and not even cycle highs, all time record highs. Um, right. And so um, until those uh, rates stop rising, it's it's going to be a tough trade for gold. And uh, it's getting closer, though, is what I would say, uh, because. Uh, like you say, the the producers uh, continue to produce uh, gold at multi-year high prices. You know, they're not all-time record high prices anymore, but uh, producing gold at 1800 bucks an ounce is still good work if you can get it on most uh, deposits or mines, uh, right? And so 
Um, as I see these reports come out, Agnico Ego, record, record revenue increases dividend, Newman increases dividend, Barrick increases dividend, right? As I see these come out and I start pulling up the charts, oh, is it, let me look if it's time to buy. Um, and then I pull up a chart of like, I don't know, what was I looking at? I think Newmont caught my eye this week and I was thinking about buying some and pulled up the chart and I was like, I don't know, man, with these, and I don't have it in front of me, but uh, it was bouncing off like some support, some like one year support. And I'm not convinced it's going to hold it, the, the stock at Newmont I'm talking about. Um, and that was, a, uh, well, here, let me just pull it up. And so I'm not talking bullshit to you guys. I think it was like <laughs> 56 bucks or something. That's exactly right. So yeah, it could go down like another four bucks to 52. And if it doesn't hold there, it could go to 50. And you know what? I think that would be like your uh gold buying opportunity and you could see that over the next couple of months so anyway you asked me about copper um yeah i saw this week that uh the a nickel is uh now worth less than the the metal that's in it this week right it's something like 75 percent copper and uh 15 percent uh nickel and with the price runs that those metals have had that you and i have been talking about copper now at i think nine year highs or something like that uh, the price of the metal in the nickel is worth more than five cents for any nickel made up to like 2014. And so um, you can take that and run with it a lot of ways. Um, it obviously articulates the drastic price rise, recent price rise of copper and nickel. But um, it also speaks to I inflation when the commodities themselves are you know, outpacing the value of the metal that's in the currency. And so uh, that was a bit of an eye opener this week for sure. Um, other than that, uh, and I'm sure we'll get into Texas. I mean, um, you know, we've been talking about and we even joked last week about virtual power plants, if you remember. And then uh, look what happened this week with uh, the the grid failure in Texas. And really, like, um, I mean, just across the board, right, from the grid to natural gas, plants, <laughs> just across the board, <laughs> to, to, to oil, to pipelines, to the gas stations you were just telling me about, to a nuclear plant that went down for a little bit, to the wind turbines freezing. It's like across the board, it was uh, the epitome of, of, of what's wrong with the uh, grid and what needs to be done. Let me share. Let me share my copper story before I get into Texas. Um you know, the price of copper is up 4% today. It, it, it hit a high of, you know, almost 410. It's the highest price since 2011 in a decade when it traded at 450 per pound. Um, so here's my penny story and my copper story. A pre-1982 penny now has two and a half cents worth, worth of copper in it. And there's a lot of people out there, including Peter Schiff, who I noticed uh, tweeted this out earlier. He thinks it'll be worth a nickel next year. So if you're looking maybe for- Maybe the aliens want Maybe nickels. the aliens. I was just going to say it. You <laughs> took my joke, Nick. <laughs> if, um, if, if, if you're looking for something that old Mr. Schiff does believe in, um, uh, pre-1982 pre penny, two and a half cents worth of copper in it. A penny's a penny. If you can find it, that's a heck of a return. And so, you know, that I think tells you how quickly the movements are happening. Before I get into Texas- um, we have to talk the uranium space as well, because although the spot price hasn't moved an inch, oh man, the the the, the uranium stocks are ramping up, right? We talked about you know fission uranium, which has a 52-week low of 10 cents. It hit a 52-week high this week of 64 cents. I could go down the list. Sky Harbor Resources, 52-week low of 8 cents, 52-week high recently of 36. Uh, UEC, energy fuels, companies that we were highlighting when nobody cared. All of a sudden, 
Everybody cares. The same thing is happening in the copper space. Regulus, which we talked about last week, is up 20% here in the past week or two. Cucho Copper, which we talked about last week, is hitting 52-week highs again today. So listen, and, and apologies, not 52-week highs, week highs. It's at 65 cents as I speak, Canadian. Um, the time to buy is when no one is looking in the gold space, which seems so boring right now, with producers making money hand over fist. A lot of producers having, you know, seven to eight hundred dollar margins for every ounce of gold sold. Those balance sheets look healthy to me. And if you know anything about the way gold cycles work, all you have to do is transpose the reserves that the major gold companies have and see the trend lower. And then the profits and see trend higher. And you should be able to deduce that you're going to see some M&A coming at a pretty premium. And, and I think that'll start up here soon. And I think that's going to help ignite a resurgence of gold speculators. That's, that's, that's what I think. I think anytime that you see, you know, a company like a probe metals that I think will get taken out, um, if they're taken out at a 50% premium, well, everything in that area gets hot all of a sudden, right? And it's not just going to happen in that part of the world. It's going to have to happen everywhere if these gold producers will continue to be gold producers, which that's what they do. So you figure it out, right? That's it. And there's only so many, uh, just like copper, right? We were talking about it last week with uh, uh, you want to be buying the copper stocks instead of trading in the copper at the scrapyard. It's time to be buying the gold stocks again. And there's only so many quality uh, deposits that are in the right part of the Lassonde curve, in the right part of the world um, that are uh, have economics tied to them um, and that don't have like uh, community issues and such. I mean, you know the drill, Gerardo, but we got to keep talking about it because the time is here. The reserves need to be replaced and there's not a lot of uh, quality uh, projects waiting in the wings. And so the high quality ones are going to get uh, taken out. And, and and what do we say? Those with uh, the best share structures that have been uh, run the best over the past couple of years are going to be the ones that, uh, you know, whatever, get the highest premiums or uh, the shareholders are going to are going to work out the is going to work out the best for shareholders. And so those are ones that I've been looking at and, and writing about and, and frankly buying recently. So I'll, I'll share some copper names, get, get, get your money back, a guarantee here that we always provide at Bizarro World. Uh, Chicana Copper still looks extremely attractive to me at these levels. It hasn't really run despite copper surge higher and some excellent drill results. It just topped off its treasury, which currently stands at nine, just over $9 million. It's uh, expanded its drill program. A second rig is on site. They seem to get, get have the structural controls down. They will continue to hit, I suspect. And you have a maiden resource estimate now estimated for Q3 because of the success with the drill bit. If you want an out-of-the-way one that is just an absolute bargain, I'm biased. I always am. I own it. I own a lot of it. It's Abacus Mining. Trades at $0.13. Cents. It's a market cap sub $10 million Canadian. Has a gold project it's drilling. Has a very prospective project in Nevada called Willow that it will be drilling within the next two months. And oh, by the way, it's carried all the way through to production with a 20% interest in the giant copper gold Ajax project which all of a sudden has some traction again if, big if, but if that project does move forward and the First Nations group that was opposed to it comes back to the table in a meaningful way and indicates support, 
Abacus is one of those names that can go from 10 cents to a dollar very, very quickly in this price environment. So those are some names for you to do some due diligence on. Um, gold names, look at Revival Gold and look at Midas Gold, the Idaho companies. They are getting zero love during this pullback. You should be loving them unless you just want to buy a stock that goes up tomorrow. Um, I don't do that. So you're going to have to talk to my friend, Mr. Hodge, about that. You've had a really good track record with it. How's your uh, how's your rare earth play doing, Mr. Hodge? You just buy it and then it goes up and you sell it when it stops going up, Gerardo. It's pretty easy. Get in the game, bro. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, and, and, and just for the record, um, while I do love Midas Gold as well, we're now buying Perpetua Resources. I'll be in tr interviewing Miss Laurel Sayer, the new CEO, and I will introduce her as the new CEO of Midas Gold. Nice. I like it. I won't. Out of uh, respect, I just don't like the name. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you, you asked about rare earths. I mean, you know much more about rare earths than I do. Um, but you're the one making like, the money with them. <laughs> I, I can see when the stocks are going up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I recommend. Neo Materials yesterday at fifteen sixty. Oh, it's at sixteen fifteen today. Yeah, they go up. It was a. It was. Well, I, I don't know, Jordan. We were staring into the abyss yesterday. The Dow was down a hundred points there for a bit. The abyss. <laughs> How's the MP materials thing going that you got in at 13 bucks a few months ago? Um, what are we at? 40 bucks now? Oh, 45. Look hey, at that. Oh, I know I put a smile on your face. How about Medallion, which I think you wrote a check for at 10 cents four months ago or something? Oh, that, that hit like 60 cents this week, and they got a deal to, or at least signed exclusive rights, non coal rights to separate. Uh, some uh, REEs with new process uh, that came out of uh, a university. And so, yeah, that would hit a high of 71 cents, it looks like. So that is also good work if you can get it. Yeah, look, I don't I don't know. I just they see things going up and um, have been trying to, to pick the right ones. And uh, these narratives that we've been uh, talking about for a long time are now being borne out with numbers in the real world. I mean, uh, again, you can talk about rare earths more than me, but um, the old narrative of China, you know, limiting uh, rare earth exports is back in the news. Um, you know, Biden ordering a review of the supply chain for said rare earth uh, element components that are needed not just for defense, which the China, China is specifically targeting. Let's not mince words there. They wanted to hinder the U.S. defense supply chain, but also critical for uh, green technologies or clean technologies, everything from batteries to, to windmills to, uh, you know, solar panels and other grid components. And so anyway, it's, it's, it's all popping off, right, Jordan? It's all popping off, and you may think I know more about rare earths, but my favorite rare earth play, Leading Edge Materials, is one of the few that hasn't moved. So you guys are getting a lot of free names uh, today. Uh, that won't always be the case, but you should be looking at Leading Edge Materials. It has a significant rare earth asset in Europe. It also has the Watson the Graphite plant, which is 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 able to, 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 to produce, is being fitted for hot battery-grade uh, graphite. Prices in both um, are surging. And so I think it's only a matter of time before someone catches on there. Um, let's get right to it. Let's talk Texas. Look, it's been a week. Let me start by saying I'm incredibly thankful and fortunate to the universe because me living just outside of Austin, 
I've had the good fortune to have running water and gasoline in my truck and heat and power that's been uninterrupted. Let me be clear to everyone out there that I am the exception. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've had friends and acquaintances that have been in their vehicles because the weather hit eight as a low of eight degrees earlier this week here, um, was below freezing for most of the week. And, you know, in some parts of Texas, the windshield forced the, uh, the temperature to drop, you know, it felt like uh, below zero weather. And so it's been a week and, and let me, for those of you that are just now, you know, coming around to the story, let me be clear about what's happening here where I live. The gas stations are out of gasoline. I was lucky to be able to fill up before all this had happened. The stores have lines for food. People are lined up for food in freezing temperatures for miles, a mile and a half to two miles. And even when you get inside the store, even the better stores, and there's been some great, great corporate just... um, uh, Altruism is the word, you know, stores like HEB, um, HEB is like the major supermarket here that's privately owned in Texas. And man, they had, you know, food that was expiring and food that was days away from going bad. And they said, just take it like the power is out. It's going to it's going to go bad anyway. Take whatever you can get people and keep it cold on your own. They've done a phenomenal job. There's a place called Veracruz Tacos, which is one of our favorite taco places that that just, you know, went 24 hours a day and decided they were going to give away as much food as they could to people that were hungry. And if you've been to downtown Austin, you know, there's a large uh, homeless population that, you know, it wasn't just them this time around that, that, that were hungry. Um, there were people that had zero power, zero food, nowhere to go. And, and that might have been the difference for a lot of people. So, you know, back to the situation here, um, at a time where the energy grid, it's a private energy grid here in the state of Texas failed, completely failed. Um, and people have been without power for three or four days. I've had friends come over. I was sharing this with Nick off off air, you know, come over and, and hadn't showered for a few days, frozen water pipes, um, just come over, use the shower and have a warm dinner and, you know, get back to it. Um, there's so much pain and unnecessary suffering that's happening right now. And let's be absolutely clear about why it's happening. It's happening because of neglect. You can't, nobody should be able to justify how the most prosperous state in the union, the most energy independent state in the union has their energy grid fail. There is a report from the agency that is in charge that said they had to turn off the grid because they were within minutes of the outages being outages that would have lasted for months. Think about that for a second. And so it really, forget dumb fucking Ted Cruz going to Cancun in the middle of it. You know, I I don't want to get into that because that's an easy point to make. Um, yes, you're an elected official. Yes, you're an idiot. Um, yes, you you in, in, instead of responding and and you know for all the, the 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 backlash that AOC gets from one side of the political spectrum, she raised two million dollars while Ted Cruz was sipping martinis. It, and a hundred percent of it is going to people that need it. 
So save the political thing to me. This is specific to Ted Cruz. Fuck Ted Cruz. But for people to take what happened with the energy grid and politicize it immediately before bodies have even thawed out. There's an 11-year-old boy that, that, that turned up dead this morning because he was in his mobile home without power for the last three days. There was a mom and a young girl that died because they were sleeping in their car and had the car facing the garage and they weren't aware of carbon monoxide poisoning because they were trying to keep warm. So the bodies literally aren't even thawed out yet. They're not, nobody's even gotten to these people because the roads were frozen like a skating rink. You couldn't drive. I lived in Alaska for 17 years. I spent my childhood in Chicago. I couldn't drive the roads. I couldn't get out of my neighborhood for two days. Because the roads were so bad. We don't have plow trucks here. We don't have, you know, all the things that you have in Alaska and Chicago with, you know, trucks coming through and laying the salt down. So people were literally trapped in their homes, in their apartments. There were water pipes that are bursting and, and you have apartment complexes where the, the ceilings are just coming down from top to bottom. And people want to get on Twitter and on the news. Even our governor, Governor Abbott, went on and took the opportunity the third day of this crisis where friends that I know had going the third day without a shower and power, and he wants to get on Fox News and go blame the Green New Deal. Let's, let's be factual about this. Both sides, Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, whatever it is, let's take a factual approach to what the solution is or this will happen again because we've been warned in Texas that we needed to winterize the energy grid. So let's be clear about what happened. 28,000 megawatts of thermal plant outages, mostly gas. Nearly half of the state's natural gas production came offline because of the low temperatures. There were freezing components at natural gas-fired power plants, and it forced operators to shut them down. Wind turbine freeze-ups were the least significant factor. This isn't coming from me. This is coming from the Electric Reliability Council of Texas that runs the state's power grid. The main factors in their report, frozen instruments at natural gas, coal, and even nuclear facilities, as well as limited supplies of natural gas. Natural gas pressure in particular is one reason that power is coming back slower than expected Tuesday. First world problems for me. My second home had been without power and heat for five days. It just came on yesterday. There were people living in their homes that haven't had and still don't have power, though it's starting to come back for a full week. For a full week. So look, there's wind turbines that operate in Antarctica. There's gas wells that work well in Alaska. You can weatherize any technology to function. So do it. We're the most prosperous state in the union. And my dumbass goes on Twitter and I got to see with the best thing people can come up with on the left is to criticize Joe Rogan because, and try to make him the poster child for deregulation because he said one of the reason he moved, reasons he moved here was he wanted more freedoms and less regulation. Guess what? Less regulation is good. It just has to be smart and practical. And by God, yes, factual, everybody. I am so over the partisan conversations that happen around everything with a total disregard for facts. 
And it really gets me going when it comes from people that know better, which is why I dislike Ted Cruz so much, amongst other reasons. But it really upsets me when I see somebody from the Wall Street Journal write some bullshit article about why renewables aren't the solution for Texas. We can chew gum, walk, spit, and do a couple of other things out here, everybody. We don't have to just do wind turbines or solar or natural gas. It should be a combination of everything. And nuclear should absolutely play a part in it. Go ask Japan. But if we're going to do better as a society, and we have to do better as a society because people are dying and suffering unnecessarily because of ignorance and partisan attacks and the politicization of every issue that comes up. And it has to change. It has to change. This can't continue. Do people think the people that froze were just Democrats? Or do you think the energy grid just rolled out and, and blacked out in, in, in you know Republican neighborhoods? Of course not. Mother Nature doesn't care just like a virus doesn't care. It's time to grow up for those of you out there that still don't get it. Sorry. It's no, it was a heck of a rant and it was much needed. And I can't really uh, top that. Uh, Try to follow it up. Um, in Portland, uh, kudos to HEB because in Portland, they're uh, arresting people for getting food out of dumpsters, expired food that the uh, grocery stores had thrown away. I don't know if you had a second to catch that story this week. So uh, quite different from uh, letting people uh, just take the food from the grocery stores. But as far as the politicization, um, it's not a new story. I mean, I it's been probably 10 years since I've been writing about the no silver bullet to energy, right? It's an all of the above approach. And you get political factions that are beholden to their uh, respective uh, lobbying uh, groups or the industries that, you know, uh, help fund their uh, campaigns. And then you get a, a stark divide and, and pin, to, pin uh, finger pointing in, in both directions when, uh, you know, it's all politicians or more succinctly government that's to blame. It was, I think, Krugman uh, writing and tweeting about this week that there was no villain in the situation. Well, no, the villain was the the the, the government and the bureaucrats and the officials that uh, kicked the can down the road, just like they do with uh, many problems that they don't want to spend money on that actually have real net uh, benefits and improve uh, the way of life and uh, quality of life for uh, everyday constituents. And so, you know, the point I was making this week was we got enough money to buy $120 billion <laughs> worth of bonds every month, right? We <laughs> got enough money to uh, pass a new $1.9 trillion uh, stimulus where only a small percentage of it ends up in the stimulus hands. Um, and we've got a Federal Reserve chairman who can go on national television um, and <laughs> say that we have the ability to create money digitally. Yes, we just print it. Uh, we create it. Um, why can't we just create money to like winterize the grid, for example? And then um, that's like the grid side of things. And then you get the climate change side of things where, um, you know, once a century of freeze events in, in Texas um, are very indicative of uh, climate change and the more uh, drastic weather cycles. Oh, you uh, said climate change. You must be a greenie. That we're seeing, <laughs> whether that's a, a record hurricane storm in the Atlantic or the ferocity of the uh, the winds of the cyclones in the Pacific or the Arctic blasts that now reach all the way into 
uh, southern Texas at negative uh, wind chills. And so, um, yeah. Snow in Saudi Arabia? Exactly. I saw that. Yeah, Israel was covered in snow this week. Exactly right. And so um, this money, um, I think people are realizing more and more, needs to go to uh, real world solutions to the problems that we're facing as a country and not to propping up a financial system that uh, only enriches a select few, right? And it's all uh, related and sorry to uh, reduce it back to a fourth turning, but the response to these challenges is what makes uh, or crystallizes the fourth turning. And so um, the challenge is like part A, right? And then part B is, okay, now what are we going to do about it? And that's what I'm very interested to uh, see. You, you and I have talked about, well, I think we're, we're going to see a, an infrastructure bill passed and we're going to overhaul the grid and we're going to uh, rebuild the, the bridges and um, I'm interested to see if we have the political will uh, as a country to, to get it done. Again, if this doesn't do it, I don't know what will. I, I, I wrote a piece for Resource Stock Digest earlier this week, or maybe it was Daily Profit Cycle. Go to both. Um, talking about 911. Our 911 system is broken. You know, CNBC had an article out saying that the 911 system is broken. And, and, and so the cost of overhauling it is $15 billion. And that would save more than 10,000 lives. And get this, for those of you that don't care about lives, like I wrote in the piece, it would save $97 billion per year, per year. You get a, it seems like common sense. Meanwhile, that you got, you know, unemployment claims that, you know, again, we're almost at a million new unemployment claims. This isn't hard to figure out, people. Let's put it together. Let's do better. Um, for a lot of you out there that, that, that are turning this thing into a, a, a way to score political points, do better. And like I, like I said earlier in the week, those weren't the two, first two words that I had for you. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to keep using those. And we'll leave it there. I think we gave everyone a lot of names. There's a lot to do. Um, I still have people to check up on on my end of it, Nick. And so I think it's a good ending point. Let's be better people, everyone. Let's be better humans. There's a lot of humanity that was shown this week. A lot of people did some really good work out here in Texas. Um, uh, I didn't stop to ask any of them if they supported police or if they voted for Trump or if they voted for Biden or if they liked Mexicans. I don't care. They were out there doing some good things. I was happy to see it. Let's do more of that. Let's be more of that. Let's help take care of each other and just be a better people, man. Like it. I'm Gerardo Del Real. This was episode 105 of Bizarro World. Mr. Co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge, you want to send him off? See ya.